Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Elaine B., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Friday, December 8th, 2017. Today we're reading from the big book, and we are in the doctor's opinion on page XXXI, beginning with the third paragraph, When I Need a Mental Uplift, reading through four paragraphs, ending with William D. Silkworth, MD, and commenting on all paragraphs. Today's readers are Reggie O. for the 12 Steps, Gail B. for the 12 Traditions, Penny L.C., Wendy M., and Jody E.Q. The reference number for yesterday's 10 a.m. meeting for Thursday, December 7th is 10765. That's 10,765. The reference number for this morning's 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is, which is uh, Friday, December 8th, is 10768. That's 10,768. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Reggie O to read the 12 steps. Thanks, Elaine. This is Reggie O, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area, and here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over compulsive eating, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you very much, Reggie O. I'll now ask Gail B. to read the 12 traditions, please. <clears throat> Thank you, Elaine. This is Gail B., a compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting the groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, or prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Gail B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in the doctor's opinion on page XXXI, starting with the third paragraph, reading through four paragraphs, to the end of the doctor's opinion. I will ask Penny L.C. to please begin reading. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you for your service. Good morning. Good, good morning to everyone on the line. This is Penny L.C., a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from the state of Washington. When I need a mental uplift, I often think another case think of another case brought in by a physician uh, prominent in New York. The patient 
had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless, had hidden in a deserted farm, determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort. Unless I could assure him, which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology, and we doubted even that would have, would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is a fine specimen of manhood. A fine, as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through. And though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. William D. Silkworth, M.D. And um, I was uh, told by one of my sponsors, I have written in the margin, that this story is referring to Fitz M. And um, his, his story is in the big book on page 208, uh, Southern, our Southern Friend. Um, and um but what what is significant to me here is that yet again the good doctor shares the good news through the story of an addict who was in the grip of their disease was willing to pick up this set of spiritual tools get to work and was able to find freedom from that hopeless state of mind and body that each one of us on this line has experienced. You know, that's, that is amazing. And, and through that, I and each of us are able to gain hope um, from those who have gone before. The doctor starts us off with that, and the big book will continue with example after example. And that just speaks um, so significantly to the ability to learn from others. And therein lies the gift of this program. I don't have, I don't have the assurance on my own that I could do this. But when I listen to others share their experience, strength, and hope, to hear the story of how others have recovered, I get that sense that perhaps, just perhaps, I can as well. But what's important here, though, is that now we have completed the doctor's opinion and we can look back and have that clear understanding of the physical and mental outcomes of the disease and have that sense of of knowledge that now I have an understanding. It's not me. 
I so often thought it was me, that I was that I was defective. And now I understand that I simply have a disease and there is a treatment for it if I'm willing to, to take it on. And I'm looking forward to getting into that solution. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Penny LC. So, great reading. Who would like to comment on this reading? Laura W. Laura W. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. And Carolyn F. Kathy K. Jody EQ. Kathy K. And Jody EQ. One more? Well, that's a great start. Laura W., Kathleen O., Carolyn S., Kathy K., and Jody E.Q. Please go ahead, Laura. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura W., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in South Jersey. I love the doctor's opinion. It's uh, It really gives, it gave me hope the first time I read it. You know, it talks about Fritz in that deserted barn determined to die. That barn for me for years was my mind. You know, I just was stuck in my own mind thinking that I could control what now today I know I can't control and it's completely out of my control. And that was very humbling for me to admit because I grew up in a home where you, if you wanted to do something, you went out and you did it. You, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and you succeeded. And, um, and so it was really difficult for my family and myself to realize that I can't fix this. You know, this is something that um, cannot be caused, it cannot be controlled, and it can't be cured by anything of this world. And when they talk about um, his, uh, we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology. I know moral psychology today to be spiritual awakening. And um, I needed to be transformed through a spiritual awakening uh, by working these 12 steps. And, you know, our steps tell, tell us a 12, the 12 step, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, not a result, the, the only result of working these steps um, for me was the spiritual awakening at first, and then other things followed. But, you know, um, following the physical rehabilitation that they talk about, you know, ab- that means abstinence has to come first. The drink has to be down. The food has to be down. The physical disease is handled with abstinence, and that's great. But without the steps, the mental disease is going to run rampant. So um, I love that he reminds me that, Although I came, when I first came, I came to scoff, and I did. I was, uh, yeah, but, and what if, over and over and over, um, he, may re- he may remain to pray. And um, I, I hear on the line all the time, instead of saying, yeah, but, or what if, you know, or um, to say, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, and, um, and to follow directions, because my directions got me almost six feet under. And the ideas contained in this book are simple. They are to trust God, clean house, and help others. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Laura W. Kathleen O., you're up next, followed by Carolyn S. Good morning. Thank you, Elaine. Good morning, everyone on the line. This is Kathleen O., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Northern California. So thank goodness for Dr. Silkworth. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, this is these are examples of hopelessness. And and it's also examples of two people who came in hopeless and who the problem had been solved. And 
I came in hopeless. Um, I was out of ideas. I was beaten down. And, you know, the big problem was being able to define um, what was going on to figure out the problem. And, and we're told what the problem is in here. And, and, you know, we're given a solution. So, you know, it, it really is about taking drastic measures. I, I couldn't just sit back and, and listen and have a magic wand waved over my head and have this, you know, this hopelessness lifted. Um, so, you know, the solution was to grab onto that spiritual experience, which is sufficient to bring about recovery. And anyone can have this if they follow the plan outlined in this book. You know, I realized the main problem was in my mind and that I was powerless. And so grabbing onto this, you know, creating a higher power of my understanding and, you know, grabbing onto that, um, going through this book, um, working these steps, um, you know, being in fellowship, which I really feel like is the heart of this program. So, you know, if we want the miracle, we have to do the work. And in these examples, these men put the drink down and they kept it down. And in doing so, they were able to be useful and happy and joyous and free and no longer hopeless. So, you know, these steps did change my life, and I'm not hopeless anymore. So if you are still hopeless, um, you know, get a sponsor and go through these steps. This, this program really does work, and there's a lot of support. I know for myself, I can't do this alone. I need the help of all of you. Um, being on this line and participating is is incredibly helpful to me and I just am very grateful that everyone is here on this line and this this um, really strong meeting is available to all of us and thank you I pass. Thank you Kathleen O. Carolyn S. You're up next followed by Kathy K. Hi this is Carolyn S. A recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, these paragraphs are great. Um, the, the idea that this guy, this patient, had decided his situation hopeless and had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die, um, you know, that it's, it makes me think about um, how some people are willing to pay the ultimate price um, in the big book. And the ultimate price is, is to die, in my mind. Um, it can be a spiritual death or it can be a physical death. And in this case, he was willing to physically die, and I think he, he wanted to because he had been through the ringer probably so many times with the alcohol and um, had gotten to such a low point that he just didn't see any future for himself. He just wanted the pain to end. And I, I've been there. Um, there were times when I thought, you know, what, what is the point? I'm just going to keep suffering and suffering. You know, I didn't have another diet in me. Um, and I just wanted it to end. And this man uh, was quite convinced that um, treatment would be a waste of effort because, you know, presumably he's tried treatment in the past and it hasn't worked. And that's how I felt about dieting, you know. And um, when I came into program, I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't a diet. Um, I came in just because I didn't want really to die. I wanted to find a solution. And this seemed like a last-ditch effort. And, you know, no one can give me the willpower well, no person can give me the willpower to resist the impulse to drink or to eat in my case. But um, the willpower or the power comes from my higher power. And you know, his alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression was so great 
that we felt the only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology. And we doubted if even that would have any effect. Um, I doubted the spiritual awakening. Well, I doubted I'd have one, one. Um, and two, I doubted that it would be enough to turn me around because I was so deeply entrenched in my misery. Um, however, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. And that that's how I feel. I mean, I've, I've become sold on the ideas in the big book. And thank God I've been abstinent for, you know, and recovered for a while now. And, and what a relief, um, you know, to be a, as fine a specimen, specimen of womanhood as, um, as someone could make, meet, wish to meet. Um, there's always improvement there, room for improvement, and I'm working on it. Um, and finally, I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. At the beginning, you know, I, I did somewhat scoff in my mind. You know, when I heard the word God, I had a lot of antipathy to that word and um, that concept. And um, so Gentle I was ready to, okay, I was ready to scoff, but I did remain to pray. And thank God prayer has saved me. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you very much, Carolyn H. S. And uh, Kathy Kay, you're up next, followed by Jody E.Q. Uh, thank you, Elaine. Thank you for your service. This is Kathy Kay from Boston. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And you know, this last sentence means a lot to me um, because I scoffed at this book uh, for so many years. I mean, I actually had my first big book um, uh, as early as I would say the late 90, uh, after only being in program a few years, but I did not study it, and in fact, I found it very difficult to read. I, I used to joke about it being like Greek to me. I really could not identify, um, and it wasn't until I found a big book sponsor who was willing to read with me and go slowly enough to really begin to help me identify with what is laid out in this book, that very, very slowly I began to become more open-minded. Um, the other thing um, that I scoffed at was the idea that this is a spiritual program. Um, I, I really had no interest or did I think I had a need for a spiritual program? I was strongly rooted in agnosticism uh, and had found success in various aspects of life, along with lots of misery uh, in not having a spiritual uh, connection with a higher power. And I'm not sure what enabled me to finally uh, remain to pray, but I will say that coming back day after day, week after week, talking with fellows, listening to fellows, I did finally learn how to set aside my old ideas and to embrace the new ideas in this book. And I am so grateful and so willing to help others today. Um, I just want to give that 
back because it changed my life entirely. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kathy Kay. Jody EQ, you're up next. Thank you, Elaine. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California. Fortunately, not near any fires this morning. Um, yes, so moral psychology. My daughter happens to be a graduate student in philosophy. And more than once, she has mentioned moral psychology as part of her studies. And whenever she has said that, my member, what moral psychology? So apparently it's been a field of study in both philosophy and psychology and is to this day for a long time. And uh, I looked it up um, just now and it, and it, it, you know, it's what pretty much what we think of when we think of morality. Um, it says a, a moral act refers to an act that entails purity, liberty, honesty, and meaning. An immoral act refers to an act that entails corruption and fraudulence and usually leads to negative consequences. So, you know, isn't that what we're doing? We're learning how to live in such a way that um, we live a moral life. And we contribute to beauty, to love, to goodness. And we're part of a, the force for good. I sometimes see it that way. And I'm just so grateful that I, like this man, Fritz, was desperate enough to accept the principles in this book, the teaching in this book, because I, too, like Fritz, I was considering suicide when just before I got to OA. And and perhaps that's what it takes. I don't know, but many of us do seem to have to hit some kind of bottom before we are willing to go to any length and to take this program seriously and to work these steps as if our life depends on it, which it certainly does. I'm so grateful that I I remain I stayed and have remained to pray rather than to scoff. So many people do scoff, and I feel for them. I'm just grateful that I, for whatever reason, have been given the grace to pray and to be grateful for this program because it has turned my life around and it has given me the ability to help someone else turn their life around. And for that, I am truly grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Jody EQ. So welcome to those who may have come on the line um, a little late. I want to let you know that we're on page XXXI in the doctor's opinion. We are reading the third paragraph that begins when I need a mental uplift and finishing out the doctor's opinion with William D. Silkworth, MD. And would particularly like to encourage people who've never shared on this meeting to, um, to take an opportunity to share your experience with these steps. Who'd like to comment on those paragraphs? 
Carolyn uh, Chris A. G. Chris G. Northern Nevada. Carolyn Gordon C. L. Terry K. B. Marge N. Okay. Marcy D. Hold on just a minute, please. Um, okay, I heard Carolyn Z, I believe. Chris G. Sherry K. B. Somebody L. Marge Jordan N. L. Jordan L. And Marge N. And uh, is it Marcy D., I believe? Yes. Fabulous. Okay, well, let's go with this lineup then. So we'll start with Carolyn C., followed by uh, Chris G. Hi, this is Carolyn C. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. This is Hi, this is Carolyn C. Recovered for today in Colorado. Thanks for letting me share. And thanks for all the service on the line today and all the other shares. Um, the thing that really strikes me, and I, I just keep getting inspired by the doctor's opinion over and over. And to, this morning what I was thinking about is... Um, you know, the, the doctors at this time were very well learned, right? Everybody couldn't learn to be, a, couldn't afford to become a doctor. And so doctors were, were, their word was almost like gospel back then because there wasn't as much media going on. There wasn't, there weren't as many images being forced into our faces every day. And so what a doctor said really had a much greater impact on an individual like ourselves or like me. And even when I was younger, you know, what my mother said or what a doctor said had, even even two years ago, when a doctor said that I was wider than I was taller and that I needed to do something about it, um, it, was, it was incredibly hurtful. And um, to have Dr. Silkworth, after a number of editions, put his name on this and to say, you know, yes, I practice medicine, practice being the key word, um, but I cannot, as a doctor, solve this problem because this problem, this disease, this malady needs a spiritual solution. And when I read this or when I heard this read to me, um, it took a few times, but it started to settle in that it was like, oh, this isn't going to be solved by a diet program. This isn't going to be solved by a pill or a surgery. In fact, this isn't even going to be solved by going to program. Program is great, and I love the the fellowship. And one of the things I was thinking this morning is that I get part of my spiritual solution is listening to the different voices on these calls. I tap in every day, not because I want to share my opinion but because I need to hear God speak through the voices on this phone. I hear my higher power, and I become stronger and more resolute during my day when I know that I am not alone and that God is with me, and God is with me when I make my choices. And yes, I have to take action, but it's only with the power greater than myself that I'm able to do that and the power of all of your voices and your experience. And it doesn't matter how recovered or if it's a first day or the 360,000th day, um, our experiences matter. And uh, I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for letting me share. And I hope you all have a wonderful, blessed day. And I pass. Thank you, Carolyn C. Chris G., you're up next, followed by Sherry K.B. 
Hi, this is Chris G. from Carson City, Nevada. Very, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And I'm on this phone call almost every day. I'm not going to say I'm perfect in that, but almost every day. I moved some of my sponsees so I could do this with you guys every day. And anyone who knows me knows that I pitch all the time, and I am seriously listening 90% of the time without giving my opinion. And this just cracks me up. I have studied this big book with some people in bigger groups and smaller groups numerous times, and I write in it. I, I got one of the big ones, and I write in it. And the thing that is jumping out at me today, and I thank you all for being on the line, is the last um, sentence. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through and through perhaps he can, and though he perhaps came, he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. And I have to say that I've not noted that he may remain to pray until right now. And what I love about this book is I can write all over it, and um, I've had several um, leaders suggest that you get a new book. I own about six now because every time I went to study it, I would get a new one so that whatever I had highlighted before wouldn't jump out at me and that in whatever place I was in life. But this jumps out at me right now, and I'm noting some of the notes I've written um, in this section. The whole is in the shape of God because it doesn't matter what our ism is, and mine is food. You know, someone in program, I never take credit when it's not mine. I just don't recall who said this ages and ages ago because I've been in a long time. Um, someone said, um, if I can't chew it, screw it. That's how I know I'm a compulsive overeater because, like, I won't drink anything that doesn't taste good or have nutritional value if it's got any caloric intake to it, because if I can't chew it, screw it. That's just my way of knowing, yep, this is my ism. Um, and I am so thankful that in moving to Carson City, Nevada, four years ago from Southern California, that I was exposed to this phone meeting, which I'm still kind of uncomfortable in. I've led a couple phone meetings since that time, and it's still very unusual to not have you all in a circle or a square around me in this meeting, but I am so grateful and so grateful that I saw this one sentence that I will now definitely discuss with all of my sponsees at length when they are new and hurting and hungry for what... Thank you. Hungry for what this program offers, and thank you. With that, I will pass. Thank you very much, Chris G. Um, Sherry KB, you're up next. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning, everybody. Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Thank you so much for your service, Elaine, and everybody on the line. So good to be here on the line. I just love this. Um, want to start saying about how he had hidden in a deserted barn, uh, you know, determined to die. And, you know, I, I don't relate to being in a barn, but I definitely relate to drawing the drapes at home and uh, benching my brains out and just being miserable um, and just wanting to die. Um, so I definitely can relate to that. And this is so important to identify in. 
Um, also with what he said that I love this line, unless I could assure him, which which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. And that's what this book does for us. You know, we, we put the food down. My higher power keeps me abstinent. I get in this work, and I am neutrally um, around the food. I have neutrality, and I am abstinent happily. I mean, wow, what, what an amazing what amazing thing this is to me. Um, and because of being sold of the ideas contained in this book, and the ideas are the directions and the steps. We have promises and prayers, and um, and without it, I, I couldn't do this. Um, I heard earlier on the line somebody saying, you know, it's like being in a, a, an ocean drowning, and somebody throws your life preserver, and you're questioning, gee, should I take this life preserver? I don't know. And so to me, it's like if I don't get in the step work, I can put the food down for a certain amount of time, but I can't stay abstinent without my higher power and without doing the step work. These steps this way is the only way I'm going to have a spiritual awakening. And so that's why I don't, I don't, I used to scoff at this book also. Um, I used to have doubts about it. I used to have doubts if this, the steps would solve my problems through my higher power. Um, but you know what? I'm here to tell you it does. And if I can do this, you can do it. And I'll just end with this. Um, I love this, what it says on page 308. What is this power that AA possesses, this curative power? I don't know what it is. I suppose the doctor might say this is a psychomatic medicine. I suppose the psychiatrist might say this is a benevolent interpersonal relations. I suppose others would say this is group psychotherapy. To me, it is God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Jordan L., you're up next followed by Marge N. Hi, this is Jordan L. Can you hear me? Yes, Jordan. Please go ahead. Cool. My name's Jordan. I'm a compulsive overeater. I live in Summit County in Colorado. Um, <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> my first time uh, sharing, so I'm a little bit nervous. Um, I have about 60 days abstinent now and am uh, working the steps with a sponsor out of the big book. Um, And I guess what jumped out at me this morning was um, that line, he he became sold on the ideas in this book. Um, It's funny because I I like this meeting a lot. I I get a really powerful message from it, Um, (laughs) but sometimes I'll think about it and I'll have, like, the same kind of thoughts as when I got sober from alcohol, and that's that, you know, like, everyone's either full of it or completely and totally crazy. Um, The way that they talk about their alcoholic booze on this line, I just, I, I don't see how that could even be possible. Um, It just doesn't being in the realm of possibility, feeling that way, um, or being that neutral towards it, I suppose. So um, that line, he became sold, in quotation marks, on the ideas in this book. Um, <clears throat> it resonates with me because that's, I, I, I don't know, I guess that's kind of where I'm at, is, um, is I don't always believe everyone (laughs) um that talks about 
be neutral towards food on this line. Um, but I'm here um, and I'm listening and I am faking it until I make it, so to speak. Um, and and I've I've certainly I've certainly never felt uh, this much power trying to get or be abstinent on my own. Um, that's one thing that I've kind of discovered. I've been in and out of the rooms of OA for a while now. Um, and uh, as Joe and Charlie say, I need two powers. I need the fellowship and I need a God. Um, so <clears throat> I'm sold on the ideas in this book. Um, and I'll keep listening. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you so much for sharing, Jordan. We hope you come back and stick with us. Uh, Marge N., you're up next, followed by Marcy D. Marge N., star one to unmute, please. Okay. Perhaps we'll flip-flop it um, if Marjen is not able to get on the line. Marcy D., will you please go ahead, and then we'll double back to Marge. Am I being heard? Hi, this is Marcy D. from Northern California. And thank thank you very much. Um, I, too, am fairly new to vision and... I've shared before, but I'm tentative about it. Um, So I thought, well, just let me do it. And what jumps out at me in in these paragraphs is thinking about all the people that have come before, before we had this program, before Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob put this all together, and just dying and thinking there was something wrong with them or they were defective. And listening or reading about this patient who hides in a deserted barn. You know, my my deserted barn was in my room with the door closed and in my pajamas with the TV on and a stash um, by my bed that I thought would last me day and lasted me maybe three hours um you know and and i just all i have to say this morning really is how grateful i am and how amazing i am and how amazing it is for me to live in a time that i'm living in as far as this disease is concerned and with that i'll pass Thank you so much, Marcy D. Great to have you share on the line. Marge N. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you so much. Please go ahead. Okay. I'm Marge N., a recovered compulsive overeater in Oregon, and I'm leaning into my fear of sharing on this meeting, so here goes. Um, The sentence that hit me was, the patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless. That was me with all the years of trying this diet, trying that diet, whatever it was. And I remember one time going to a a weight loss thing at my church and 
came away feeling that, okay, I guess God just wants me to be fat for the rest of my life. And I had pretty much accepted that. I am so grateful today that I know that's not the case, that this book is my salvation. This is my Bible. And I found vision for you when I went to the conference in September and talk about a spiritual awakening. Um, I had never heard about entire abstinence, the allergy, the obsession. And now that I know that, it makes so much sense. And I want to um, take that Marge from years and years ago and just say, you are enough. There was nothing wrong with you. It was this disease. And in one of the other meetings, I heard the statement, what if the other shoe doesn't drop? Can I accept God's gift? Can I accept this gift from God? And that was also me. Oh, this will work for everybody else but me. I'm the one exception that God is just going to let go down the toilet. And I am acting as if and believing that this gift is for me just as much as it is for each and every one of us. And Again, I just have to say this group is phenomenal. There's so much recovery, and I try to take what I'm learning to my face-to-face meetings because this program is in desperate need of um, the truth of how we recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Marjan. Glad you were able to share. Love to hear these new voices. So we have time for um, possibly one more share today or two two-minute shares. Um, would anybody like to comment on these paragraphs? Really just one three-minute share I think is going to be best. Dorita P. Please go ahead, Dorita. <laughs> Thank you. My name is Dorita P. from Cleveland, and I'm a grateful, compulsive over Eater, recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, it's a privilege and honor to be at a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Everybody do not get this opportunity for whatever reason, and I'm really grateful I have a seat here. So we're reading the the, the last part of the doctor's opinion, and I love uh, the last few paragraphs when it talks about those two cases. And I was hopeless to... Um, I was going to drive my brand-new car off a bridge somewhere, and I focused on brand-new car, like whose raggedy car can I take over? You know, that was just my sick thinking. I was more concerned about a car than I was about my life, and I'm so grateful. Uh, So this program, and I like what the speaker said about, you know, we have, I think she said we have two powers the power of the fellowship and the power of our higher power. And both of, both of those powers have given me power, have empowered me uh, to abstain and um, be in recovery. Uh, I lost 100 pounds. Well, I didn't lose it. Uh, uh, God, through me and the help of uh, my fellows, um, and it's been off for 10 years, so that's even more miraculous than losing it. And I'm not hopeless today. I, I want to live. A, a person who loses weight, um, you know, don't want to commit suicide. So 
I really do want to live today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Dorita P. There's just one minute left, so I'm going to take that. And I just want to comment on this one line. He is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. And you know what? That's what happens when we work these steps. I didn't realize I was out of alignment with my creator. Oh, this is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts, by the way. And I didn't realize I was out of line with my creator. I was out of line with most every human being on earth, including myself, until I learned this program of action, until I put down the food, got out of the food fog, and began working these steps, and then continue to work them one day at a time. Though it's like, you know, when your auto mechanic, uh, when your car isn't working, you bring them to an auto mechanic, not to a laundry mat, <laughs> you know, so um, I, I'm able to align with my creator and become what I was created to be. And, you know, even though so much has changed in my life, I know that myself and many of the people that I meet are some of the finest specimens of man and womanhood that I could ever meet. And it's a privilege to be on the line with you today. I'd like to thank everybody who who has shared. And we're going to transition the meeting by reading the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Wendy M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. Yeah, Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. Happy to be on the line. Thank you for your service. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we, we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously... You cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Tear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep 